living with an eternal focus. We're going to first talk about being concerned with things that matter. Make sure you uh, help yourself with some food in the back, by the way. There's some great, uh, oh, absolutely, right? There's some great cake. Jenna, the cake is for... Well, it was a special request of Christine and mine when we were talking about celebrating her graduation, that she graduated. And so I do not have a kitchen, and it was the last-minute decision, but I thought I'd bring it tonight so we could all enjoy it with her. Awesome. You know, Nelson, like, took off. I don't know. So Christine graduated, and that is uh, she's very excited about that. I'm a little old. Please finish school early, okay? <laughs> it's all right. It's never too old to finish school. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, so so help yourself some uh, red velvet cake, and then we have some uh, uh, meatballs with some cheese cubes and some cookies that are maple, right? They have maple, which I think they're pretty good. The first thing we're going to talk about tonight is what Jesus uh, instructs the people about being concerned with things that matter. I'll have a little introduction here, then we'll, we'll dive in, okay? Um, question, why do you choose one thing over another? Why do you decide to do one event and not another? Why do you choose to study one field and not another? Is this- Just, no, it's not. It's like, like why, what is it about things that... In general, why do you choose to do one thing instead of something else? Like, you could be doing anything right now. Literally, you could be watching TV. Yeah, Brittany? I guess you do what you want to do, like, and then you put everything that you don't want to do. Okay. So, it's like, why are you, why are you um, uh, watching TV? Because you want to be watching TV, right? Yes? I was just going to say that to please yourself and get as much benefit as you personally can. Okay. So, you see your life as, like, having... My friend used to describe it as happiness points. Like you're trying to accumulate as many happiness points as possible in your life. And so if something gives you more happiness points, you'll do that. If something else gives you more happiness points, you'll do that. The difficulty is that what if something does not give you any happiness points, but there's a promise of happiness points in the future? Do you, do you uh, uh, sacrifice the temporal happiness points for the future happiness points, the, the promise of, the, the potential for, right? So your mom says practice violin. You're like, I don't want to practice violin. I hate violin. Have you ever heard of violin? A beginner violinist? Oh, there are there are a few things that are worse. Two things: there's fingernails on chalkboard. You know, there's the goats that scream. You know, the YouTube videos of goats that scream. And then there's 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 beginning violinists, right? But without beginning violinists, there would be no Itzhak Perlman's and. Isaac Stearns, you know, the great violinists of our time. Nobody knows who those people are. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so what is it? You say desire, of what you like. Uh, Amanda, remind me again, how, what were you saying? You were saying just what you desire to do, what you, like what, pleases what pleases you. Yeah, okay. You go towards things that you're good at. Okay, so what you find, what you find that you're good at. What you enjoy, get enjoyment out of doing, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, it's going to be the greater good. The greater good. Um, I'm going to just put a word up here. Uh, value. Oops. <laughs> Didn't do it. There you go. See if I, now we got a weird thing going on. Is this going to work now? Put, Not again. Put it down in the pick bracket. You guys are killing me. All right. Let's go back. I don't want to get too far ahead here. Hit this. Not laser pointer, pin. 
This thing is such a fail. <laughs> oh, well, I'm just going to give up. I really wanted to write here on this. Let me try this. Just don't use it. Well, I, I really wanted to write today because... I don't think Paul would You don't think Paul would have used technology? How do you... Uh, okay. Enable editing. Let's do that. Maybe that's part of the problem. Resume slideshow. Okay, I think that was it. Nope. That's Albert's. Yeah. I know nothing. Okay. I, I have was going to write down the word, but I actually had it written here. Let's see if I can circle it. Can I circle it? Yay! It works. Okay. Values. Okay. What you value and what you prioritize, those are my words that I kind of picked up on today, dictate these kind of decisions. Okay? Some people value order. Other people don't care. What do you prioritize in your life? Some people prioritize relationships. Okay, have you ever been to a foreign country that has a different culture than ours? So, for example, in our culture, what's very valuable is punctuality. Okay? If you're late to class too many times, your teacher might kick you out of class. I don't know if they do that here at Winthrop, but some, some colleges, like, you have so many lates. And once you get so many lates, it counts as an absence. And after you have to have so many absences, guess what? You're not welcome back. You know anything about that? They just drop okay. They just drop you a letter grade? That's nice of them. Some pe- in our culture, punctuality is very, very highly regarded. In some cultures, guess what's more highly regarded than punctuality? Relationships. So if I'm walking on the street to an appointment, and I have an appointment with my doctor at 2 o'clock, and I meet a friend, it's more important that I talk to that friend for as long as that relationship takes. Who cares if I'm on time or if I'm late? I'll get to the doctor eventually, and the doctor will understand. My point is that I deal with my friend. Who's much, it's much more important that I have this relationship with this friend now than that I get on time to somewhere in the future. So what you do, what you decide to do, is based on your values and your priorities. Okay, what you, what you value, what you prioritize over something else. It seems like a simple statement. It really is. Pretty simple. Um, and I have, I have another statement here that you might agree with, you might not agree with, and that is this. You might not be always completely honest about what your priorities and values are. Okay? The reason you do things, the reason you tell people you do things, and the reason you actually do things might be different. Okay? Think about it, and you know it's true. I know it's true for me. Uh, when I was at Clemson, um, we had friends who would uh, – at their, when I was in our Air Force ROTC, um, they, there was a thing they did there, which was if you were a political science major, that was notorious for being the easiest major. You'd get the highest grades. In order to get a flight assignment in the Air Force, you had to have really high grades. So they had this thing they did they called poli-sci and fly, <laughs> which meant you majored in poli-sci, political science. You didn't really do that much work, and you got good grades. And you got an appointment, or you got a, a slot for flight school. So why do they take political science? Well, they might tell their professors, I love political science. What's the real reason? They want an easy grade. Poli science fly. Sometimes life is like this. Why are you going to church? I'm going to church because I want to spend time with Jesus. Why are you really going to church? I want to find that guy or that girl that I spend the rest of my life with. <laughs> or whatever. Job interview. That's right. I, I want to further the mission of the company. No, you don't. You want a paycheck. <laughs> you know? So be on, you have to be honest with yourself. Sometimes what you say your priority is is not necessarily what your priorities are. But if we're honest, we'll recognize that these priorities and values make sense in our decisions. In fact, if you, uh, very rarely is there a decision you'll make 
that is not um, uh, consistent with your values and your priorities. Okay, if you say like if, if someone does something that just doesn't make sense to you, maybe it's because you don't understand what their values and priorities are. So in your own heart, if you're making bad decisions, you probably have bad priorities and bad values. Okay, to be a disciple of Jesus is to be in a constant war with the desires of your flesh and the pull of the world. You must rebel against the natural desires of your flesh and choose to value and prioritize those things which the Lord says are important. This is something that we've talked about before, but it's something that you have to recognize that living as a disciple of Christ is difficult. It's not going to be just a walk in the park. It's not going to be doing whatever you feel like, living by your feelings, because the truth is is that your feelings are misguided. Often you will desire things that are not good for you. And to trust the Lord is the most important thing. And in, in, in the long term, it proves itself out every time. You talk to somebody who's been a disciple of Christ for a long time, and they'll tell you that my life has been fulfilled and has been wonderful uh, because I've obeyed the Lord. The problem is, is that uh, many people don't choose not to obey Christ because in the short run, it seems like it's, a, uh, like it's a sacrifice. So this means living with an eternal focus, hence the title uh, of the lesson today. So a couple, uh, one thought experiment, and then we'll dive in. If you knew that the end of the world was tonight, what would you do differently? Would you go do something that you've been too scared to do? Why would you or why wouldn't you? Are there things you're embarrassed to do in public, but you might just do if you knew that the end of the world was tonight? I would shave my head. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's something, I guess. Some <laughs> people are like, I know what I'd do. There's that guy I don't like at all. I'd go and I'd just punch his lights out. I'd be like, hey, come here. <laughs> what would you do? Let's keep it G rated. <laughs> well, some people would say they'd go swear at somebody or something. I don't know. Or run naked through campus. I don't know. <laughs> what? Okay, try to witness to as many people as possible. That's good. I just want to spend time with people I love. Okay. That's really sweet. I'd probably just go on the floor and be like, go up there. <laughs> 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 um, oh, yeah, we had a <laughs> I get married. <laughs> like now. Um, the, reason, the reason I ask this is because this brings up an interesting thought, and that is this. Um... The answer is, what, what would have changed? What would you do that you would not normally do? And I'm talking about like the crazier stuff, like punching somebody or... Because we wouldn't have to suffer Exactly. There would be no consequences at all. You know that whatever happened, it's over. It's like at the end of the school year, people kind of go crazy. They do whatever they're going to do. What did you say? Don't repeat that. Okay. Um, what changed? The threat of bad results. Whether embarrassment or failure or long-term damage is gone. And some of you are like, there's that boy. The girls might be saying, there's that boy I've always had a crush on. I'm going to go up to him and tell him, you know, what's what. <laughs> See what happens. Here's my question, though. You can't do anything about it if the world's going in. Right, but for that one moment. You were, it doesn't matter. Like, what happens if you get rejected? Okay, you're overthinking this. All right. But if you get rejected in, in real life, tomorrow's rough. But if you get rejected and the end of the world is tonight, who cares? The point is, is that there is an eternal... Your focus, when your focus is, is short-term, you're going to make different decisions than if your focus is eternal. If you're thinking about eternity. If you're thinking about how things actually play out in, real, in the real world. 
in real life. We think about things in terms of how God would have us do things. So let's break up into our groups. Here's the two passages I have. I have one out of Luke 12, uh, the warning against greed, and I have some questions for you to cover. And then I have the teachings on contentment and some questions for you to cover. So we're going to divide you right down the middle. I'm going to ask you ladies here, if y'all can go that way. Yep. And Jermel, if you could also go that way. Just give them enough brain power. Y'all got, y'all got number one over here, the first section. You guys got number two over here, the second section. And there are questions for you to talk through. Don't um, be too slow getting through these. Kind of work through them, and then you can come back and refine some of your answers. Try, don't, try not to spend forever in a day on one question, all right? Is the end of the world today? The end of the world is not tonight. Not that I know of. Okay, well, then. All right, um, let's just go through and see what you guys came up with as we talk about the um, warning against greed. Let's read through this passage, and uh, we're asking the questions. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he says to him, Man, who appointed me a judge over or an arbiter over you? Arbitrator over you. Then he said to them, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. He told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. First question. According to Luke 15 or 12:15, what do some people think is about their life's relationship to the things that they own? That the, the things will bring them happiness, joy and fulfillment in their life. Very well said. Um I was thinking also along the lines of that it somehow identifies, somehow makes them, uh, gives them identity. So he says, uh, not even, even when one has an abundance, does not his life consist. Like this is not made up of his possessions. So a life being made up of your possessions. Um, yeah. Sure. I was not. That is very true. I've, I didn't even think about that. It's very well, very well said. Yeah, and then from like a marketing standpoint, like you study like how people actually do identify with their things. They're excuse me, their things. Yeah, they, they have this emotional. Yeah, it's either an extension of them or who they want to be. Exactly. Do you know? Um, you know who uh, Scott Adams is? Scott Adams. You know what Dilbert is? Anybody ever read Dilbert the comic strip? Dilbert. He had this um, theory of marketing. That he called, he wrote in a book, and he called it the uh, forgive me, but he called it the bikini babe principle. And that was that if the marketing was, if you're a girl, this will make you a bikini babe, and if you're a guy, this will get you a bikini babe. <laughs> that was his. That was his principle. He's like the product, basically. And if you look at it, like, look for example, beer commercials. They're always young people sitting around, always very attractive. They don't ever show anybody like overweight, old, like slob on their couch watching football. And like angrily yelling at the television. They don't do that because they show people what they want to be. 
right? Um, Apple commercials never talk about the specs of their product. It's always like just this music, people doing cool stuff. It's like this is who you could be, and you're like, I want to do that. I want to be that person. You know, and it makes you want to. Yeah. So they, they companies are always trying to tell you things about yourself, trying to make you want things. But Jesus is saying, look, your life is not made up of what you have. Okay? If you don't have the iPhone 7, it doesn't change who you are. All right. Let's keep going. Why do you think greed is such a powerful enemy to the Christian young person? I have some questions here. Jesus warns the man about every form of greed. Can you think of different forms of greed, that, how, how that might take and how it might look in different people? What do you guys come up with? Well, to answer the first question, we said it can really control your actions. Yeah. Um, and kind of take over your mind and your heart. It becomes a priority that, that limits your sight. So you don't see the eternal perspective anymore. All it's about right now, fulfilling. You get that tunnel vision where all you want is that one thing. It's like, as you were saying, Black Friday. You see those people wanting that television on Black Friday, and they get all tunnel vision, and they like start grabbing this TV. You're like, do you not see how ridiculous you look? They don't care. That TV is going to be like busted in five to ten years. Your dignity is gone forever. <laughs> okay, keep going. Anything else about that question? Any different forms that greed might take? Yeah. Good. Oh, that's a big one. Attention. Yeah. A personal high, kind of out of it. Yeah. Likes. Likes. I was talking to a young person. I'm going to say young person because I'm not going to identify who this person was. Not in this group here tonight, but in Winthrop in Dick's over there playing ping pong one Tuesday afternoon. And we were talking, and this person said, you know you can buy Instagram likes. And somebody was, and uh, they are like, have you ever thought of doing that? And I said, no. <laughs> he said, really? I said, I just don't care enough. Like, I just don't care enough to buy Instagram likes. But apparently, this person... It, it mattered to this person. Uh, anyway. Uh, I don't really want to talk about it. I think that's sad. <laughs> so let's read this story about Jesus and the farmer. He tells this story about a successful farmer. What, what was the primary concern for the farmer? He wanted a bigger place to store all Yep, he wanted a bigger place. He wanted more stuff. Right? Not only that, he wanted something else. There was one other thing. See it? Right here. He wanted to retire. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. He was like, I want to not work. I want to have so much that I can sit back my rest of my life, not eat, I mean, not work, just eat, drink, and be merry. And be easy. Yeah, be in my ease. Sit on my couch, you know, have everything I need. What does he want? He wants fulfillment. He wants no work. He wants ease. And so he works and does all this so he can have that. And God says to him, you're being a fool. Now, there's another question there. Um, I guess, what would have satisfied this man in his pursuit? Getting to that point, to that point of retirement. Um, so that was his ultimate goal, kind of a repeated question there. What do you think, why do you think God calls him a fool in verse 20? Like you said, having that tunnel vision. Yeah. His personal 
Okay, this very night, you, you're looking towards the future and saying, oh, I'm doing all this so that I can enjoy myself in the future. And he says, this very night, your soul will be required of you. You're going to die. And who will own what you have possessed? It's a rhetorical question. Kids? Doesn't say he has kids. Who knows? May rot. All that work for nothing because he was minded only of the physical things of this world. He was completely materialistic. Um, have you guys ever... Uh, I, I'm a pastor, and so I deal a lot with people who have funerals and people who die and families who, who deal with death. And that's a very sad thing. It's a very sad moment. It's rough when someone dies. It's always hard on a family. But what, what's extra hard is that when someone dies, their stuff is just there, and then you have to deal with it. I once talked to a lady who um, went to her house. Her husband had been dead for almost a whole year, and she had not gone back into his study. He had a room in the house. His study, his Bible was still open on his desk. And she had kept the door closed. She never went in there. And when she finally got that uh, taken care of, um, it, it was a whole year later. Because it's difficult, your stuff sticks around. It's kind of a morbid thought, but that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Why do you spend so much time on your DVD collection? I guess we don't do that anymore. Why do you spend so much time on your clothes? Material things. They're not worth how about Gatlinburg right now? I mean, that's, that's just a reminder for how quickly things can go. Um, so what is the folly? Uh, did we basically get through all that? We're going to have to keep going here. What is the folly of pursuing your own possessions as your highest goal in life? You miss out on the things that truly matter. Like God? Like people? When the sermon says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, just putting God and being obedient and sharing the good news with other people. Things that would bring more to God's kingdom. What's the end game? What happens in the end with all your possessions? Does it matter? No. When Bill Gates dies, is he going to be any, any different than you or I? No, he's going to be in the ground. Um, I'll spare you. I have a Hamlet reference we can talk about later. We'll, I'll spare you that. How can you be so sure that you can be one who is rich towards God? Did you see that phrase? Let me go back here. At the very end, he says... So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Huh. How can you be one who is rich toward God? Go ahead. No, that's you. Go ahead. If I was like trying to ignore the things that bring greed, um, okay. So there are things, um, let's just say bad things and good things. And you, you can say, well, I want to focus on the good things and not focus on the bad things. What it really comes down to is down here at the heart is what's your priority. I really believe it starts here. If you desire, if you desire God, you say, Lord, I want to know you. That's my ultimate priority. And God says, fine, I'm going to take away something from you. I'm going to take away a job. 
The person who's materialistic says, God, I lost my job. I'm ticked. How am I going to pay for my, my kid's education? How am I going to buy that new house? How am I going to buy that new car? How am I going to make my payments on this? You get mad. But what a person whose priority is knowing God, what you say is, God is using this situation in my life to draw me to him, however that's going to happen. I don't know right now, but he's putting pressure on me. And that pressure is going to refine me. And you see the positive of what God is doing. Um, let's go to the second group here. Oh, no, one, one last thing here. This is from 1 Timothy chapter 6. I put this in your thing here. Um, this is from uh, Paul's letter to Timothy. He says, instruct those, he's talking about in the church, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on what? The uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. The focus is not the stuff. It's who gives you the stuff. Be grateful for God because he's the one who gives and takes away. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, not just in stuff. To be generous and ready to share, not clutching your stuff. Storing up for themselves a treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of what which is life indeed. That is, your perspective has to be what is right, not what is selfish. So it's changing your perspective. All right, second group. Teaching on contentment. Jesus speaks to his disciples. For this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you eat, what your body, what you shall put on. Life is more than food. The body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have nor storeroom nor barn. Notice that language. What what did the guy build? Barns. He's like, the ravens don't do that. Yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than the birds. Which of you by worrying can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you cannot even do this little, very, very little thing. Why do you worry about other matters? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. But I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown in the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, you men of little faith? Do not seek what you will eat or what you will drink. Do not keep worrying. For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek. Your Father knows that you would need these things. Seek the kingdom, his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Um... Why does Jesus say should, we should not be primarily consumed with providing for our material needs? Why? What did you guys come up with? Yes, Michaela. Um, I have thought that because like, we know that he's going to provide for the things that may be on like, the lower rank than us, like the animals and the grass. Why should we worry about, um, about him providing for us who are his fitting image, who he cares for and like, loves the most? God loves us. He made you in his image. Of course he's going to provide for you. He provides for birds. Birds die in the middle of the street and nobody gets out and cares. Right? I mean, people are animal rights activists. You know, people are all about you know, loving the animals and everything. That's great. But you know there's a difference between animals and people. Even though people say, oh, there's no... De-. Yes, there is. You see dead animals all the time and nobody gets out and freaks out. If there was a dead kid in the road, you better believe people would freak out. They would get out, they would do something. They would stop traffic. They would block it off. I mean, it'd be horrible. But, I mean, I, 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 the reason I, I was thinking about this is because in my neighborhood, there was like a dead bird on the road for like a week, you know, and nobody did anything. It's uh, kind, of, kind of sad. But it's true. I mean, God cares about a bird. He cares about you even more. Uh, next, what example says, give it back up his claim, as we said, the lilies of the field, the birds, good. Why do you think the nations of the world seek these kind of things? What does it mean by that phrase, nations of the world? 
What do you think, Tyler? Probably people of the world. People of the world? I mean, he could be meaning it in a literal sense, too, because a lot of nations are built upon material wealth. Yeah, when you see nations, normally it's talking about Gentiles, that is, people who are not God's people, people who do not follow God. So I would just say those who, those who don't follow God. Why do they seek these things? Yeah. Uh, what is the alternative to thinking this way? Okay, so seek what? Seek his kingdom. Seek God's rulership. Don't seek these things. Don't worry about these things. Don't pursue these things with all your might. Seek God and these other things. They'll be added to you. You'll have them. You'll get what you need. Don't take all of your energy and, and for, force it into seeking wealth. That's just the wrong place to seek. That's the wrong place to go. It's the wrong place to put all your energy. Um, what is the key missing ingredient? This is, this is a key point. What is the key missing ingredient to a person who lives his life chasing after material things of this world? What would you guys come up with? Yes. Where is that verse? Verse what? Verse 20. I think I put that in there. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, thrown in the furnace, how much more will he clothe you? What? You people, you men of little faith. That's the key. If you struggle with this, your problem is faith. You don't really believe that God can take care of you. You, you question it. So we, in our five minutes that remain, turn to Luke 16. And I'm going to take over here for a few minutes. I want to run through one of my favorite stories in the Bible that I think is one of the most perplexing ones too. This is a parable Jesus gives, and uh, let's see if you can follow it, okay? Now, he is also saying to disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and this manager was reported to him as squandering his possessions. So he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an accounting of your management, for you can no longer be manager. The manager said to himself, what shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig. I am ashamed to beg. Then it's like a light bulb goes on. He says, I know what I will do so that when I am removed from the management, people will welcome me into their homes. And he summoned each one of his master's debtors and he began saying to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. He said, take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50. And he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said, take your bill and write 80. And his master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly for the sons of this age are more shrewd in their relation to their own kind and the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends of your, for yourselves by, measure, by means of the wealth of unrighteousness, so that when it fails, they will receive you into the internal dwellings. What in the world's going on there? Have you ever heard this story before? Yeah, that one's tough. All right, so you got this guy who's a boss, and his manager's been squandering his goods. So he calls him, and he says, hey, get your stuff together, because you're gone. I need to know what's going on in my business. So... He's floundering because he knows he's in trouble. He knows he's going to be fired. So he gets, he thinks, starts thinking about it, and he decides, okay, people owe him money. While I have the authority to do some things here, I'm going to make life for me on the other side of this employment good. So once I'm fired, I can find friends. So, you know, Chelsea is working with my company, and Chelsea. I have given her 100 measures, 100 measures of oil. And so uh, manager calls Chelsea and Chelsea, how much do you owe? She says, well, I owe 100 measures. Well, I'll tell you what, write me out 50, write me out, pay for 50, and we're good. Chelsea's like, really? Yes. 
Deal. I'll take that. Half off. That's good. She she walks out. She's cleared, and I've got half off. Okay. And someone else comes in. Amanda comes in. She owes 100 bushels a week, right? 80. Oh, wow. So I get 20% off? Yes. Done. And so what I'm doing is I'm making friends. Now she really likes me because I, I gave her a deal. She really likes me. I gave her a deal because I'm getting ready to be fired. And when I get fired, I can go out there, and guess what I'm going to do? Hey, Chelsea, remember me? Hey, I need a job. Come work for me. You're my friend. All right, so think about this. Who's the rich man? Well, let's, let's start with easier. Who's the manager? Anybody have an idea? No, no, like in the like in, in if this parable is to be explained, who is the rich man represent? Let's start with the rich man. Who's that represent? Like the council, like the firm, like that. What? The like the accountant of the firm. No, the rich. There's a rich man who has a manager. The manager for the rich man. The owner. Okay, he's the owner, right? Okay, yes, he's the owner in the story. But what what does that mean? Like what what how what does that signify in today's world? The CEO. This is tough, isn't it? This is tough. Oh. He is the one who decides all right, the things. Dumb it up. I mean, dumb it up? All right, I'll give you the first, and the rest will come into play, right? All right, so I put down a bunch because I don't really know. Um, well, hang on, hang on. Don't don't get on vacation. Um, I'm, I'm going to put this as like it's almost like um, uh, death or. Uh, you could say this world is the idea of what's going on is, and this person is you or me. Okay? Uh, you or me. I think you need to just say so, uh, represents rather than in the modern day. I think that's what it's confusing. You know, that's probably right. Thank you. So you're saying that the world is controlling us? No. What, what, let me explain what's going on. You have been given a death sentence. All of you. One day you're going to die. It's true. Right? Yeah. Is anybody here going to live forever? Like in this world? Probably not. <laughs> I doubt it. And the death rate is one per person. Holding steady. <laughs> you know? It's the way it is. I mean, I, hate, I mean, it's just true, right? <laughs> Think about reality. You've been called, and the manager says, you are going to no longer be employed. So the given accounting, what's an accounting represent? He's going to have to give like account for what he did while he was alive. We are going to die, okay? Okay. We're going to die. We're going to be, there's going to be a, we're going to go from this state to the next. So it's All right? Like, it's like heaven or hell. So no, it's like death. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know what I mean. Like, yes. where you're going afterwards, you have to give an account based on. Sort of, except for this is for, this is for all, this is just to believers. This is not about going to heaven or going to hell. Oh, okay. Okay. This is about. We're getting there. So as you make, he's saying, you're going to be no longer employed. Your current state is going to be changed. Right? You're not going to go to a different state. We're going to have a new master. That's why I put death in this world up here, because the new master in the new world is, is different. Uh, okay, because the death can be either literal or figurative. It can be the death to yourself and rebirth to Christ. Okay, so... <laughs> I'm not going to get too bogged down. So if this is the case, if the rich man represents, I even put like fate, death, time even. So time, perhaps even Satan, as this idea of you're going to die, Satan perhaps is, is, is called, you know, is 
is involved, you know, is his king of death or whatever. The manager is you. You have, a, a, there's an end date to your time on earth. There is a terminal date. There is a date you will no longer be employed here on earth. Okay, as a manager of God's time that you've been managing. Okay, maybe God is the owner who says your time has come to an end. But this is where it gets, this is where I don't like putting God up here. It's because what does he do? What is the decision to cut deals? What does that represent? So, to maybe like to pray to make sure like maybe go into the next world. Like, okay, sort of. What is he using? Stuff. Material. He's using his authority that he has, what he's been given in the current world to set himself up for the next, right? So I was making deals with my friends here so that once I got unemployed, I could be friends with them. Right? Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah. Right? So I'm, I'm using, on this side of the equation over here, I'm using, I'm using what authority I've been given, which is to cut deals and stuff, even though I'm using it uh, maybe even against my, the, the wishes of this guy. In order to improve my condition on this side of the line, I'm concerned with what I, what, how it's going to be when I come out on the other end. Okay, so I'm cutting deals. I'm talking. This is basically what does he say in this verse? He says, "Look at the end of the passage." He says, "And I say to you, make friends for yourself." Uh oh, not again. Make friends for yourself. It's over. <laughs> By means of the wealth and righteousness, take what you've been given—that is, money. Take what God has given to you and use it. Use it. To set yourself up for life after employment. If employment represents this life, that means take what God has given you in this world. He's saying do good things, yes. He's saying do, use what God has given you to to set yourself up for eternal blessings. Okay, because in life after employment, when you don't have to answer this boss anymore, when you're in the next world, that's what really matters. That's the most important thing. You, you basically, it's, it's you have to come to a mindset. You got everyone has to come to the mindset of listen. I am not going to be alive forever. I've got to make decisions about what's really important, and I either decide that what's beyond employment is important, or what's I can be delirious, or I'm not delirious. I can be deluded and think delirious. <laughs> I can be deliriously deluded. I can think. I don't, I don't want to think about the future. I don't want to think about life after employment. I want to think about right now. I only want to enjoy right now. Well, there's a big problem with that, is that there's a time when you're going to be unemployed. And if you don't make any arrangements for after your employment is over, you're going to be in trouble. And so the call is this. Be wise. Think eternally. Have an eternal focus. That's why he says the children of this world are wiser than the children of light. And that's why I, I put a quote at the very end, so you can kind of, this encapsulates it very, very nicely. Disciples should learn from the children of this world who act boldly and decisively as they try to ensure their earthly future, as to act boldly and decisively, but to ensure our internal future. That is, as this agent recognizes his crisis and moves shrewdly to hedge his security in this world, so disciples should shrewdly use their worldly possessions, which are only on temporary loan from God, indeed of mercy, to store up treasure for themselves in heaven. Use what God has given you with an eternal focus. Give to people who share the good news across the ocean. Give to missionaries. Give liberally. Use your time and energy to invest in things that really matter with the eternal focus, and you will never regret it because you're setting yourself up for life after, what I call life after employment. It's like, you know it's coming. 
So act wisely. I hope does that make a little more sense now. I know that was a crash course, but that is that's one of my favorite stories because it really is confusing until you really start thinking through uh, what exactly is being said. So thank you very much for your appreciate for your uh, good attention. I've really enjoyed being with you guys this semester. Look forward to next semester. A couple things. Remember that the uh, Christmas banquet is coming up uh, on on the tenth, and also our party on Thursday. We'd love to have you all come. Uh, let Kayla know if you're coming or just come. Just come, right? Just come. If you need uh, directions or you need anything, it's on the email. If you need uh, more information, let me know. Yes? For the Christmas banquet? Just don't worry about paying. Just come. But let me know. I need to know, I need to know names. All right, let's close. Lord, thank you for this uh, day. Thank you so much for the uh, group we have here tonight. I pray you'd help us to live with this eye on the future, knowing that we do not have forever here, that you have given us a, a, a death sentence. Literally, we know that we are going to die, each one of us, and we have to set ourselves up for what is truly eternal, what really matters, and help us to have eternal focus, not only about our possessions, but also about where we spend our resources, how we spend our time. We would do things that really matter, not waste it in frivolous things. Lord, help us to invest in other people in doing what is right, and, and investing uh, what you've given us and, and have loaned to us, Lord, in spiritual pursuits. Lord, thank you so much for your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.